The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Mark Morano, author of The Politically Incorrect Guide to Climate Change. Mark, how you doing, buddy? Very good, Doc. Thanks for having me on today. Uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, there's uh, some good stuff in here. In fact, uh, Chris and I saw a headline this morning that says Antarctica is melting three times as fast as a decade ago. Yeah, that's one of the climate scams that they do. First of all, you notice they say decade. Antarctica has been going through all sorts of cycles. However, this study used climate models to estimate how much ice there is. And the United Nations even admits models don't even account for half the variability in nature. So they have a huge fudge factor. But more importantly, in the book, I go back to 1901, 1922, in the 1970s and and, and forward, they've had the same exact scares about Antarctica, recycled over and over about how it's going to flood Europe, flood the United States, and they just keep recycling them about what could, might, may happen in the future. The reality is a NASA study showed two years ago and a new NASA study coming out to reaffirm that as a whole, Antarctica is actually gaining ice. And the irony is they originally said Antarctica was going to lose ice due to global warming. And then when they came out and saw it gaining ice, they said, oh, well, that's actually what's going to happen. Global warming will make Antarctica at least gain the sea ice portion, not the land ice. And now they're saying, well, it's losing ice. But they can't keep their story straight, and it's literally a recycled scare over and over. Bottom line is Antarctica as a whole actually gaining ice, according to NASA, and contributing to a sea level lowering. Sea level has been lowering due to Antarctica's gaining of overall ice. Do you hear what's going on here? Do you hear? (laughs) Yeah. A couple couple of things. We're going to be overrun by ice. Yep. Right? right. A second second ice age. Is that what you're saying, Mark? Well, actually, that's a separate story. There's actually solar scientists, and particularly the Russian National Academy of Scientists, yes, Russian collusion, who claim that that sunspot activity is now at Mm -hmm. centuries low, and there's a worry that, you know, we are facing at least decades of a cooling due to low sunspot activity. Depends on how long it lasts. But carbon dioxide, by the way, is not the control knob of the climate. That's the message I scream from the book with Nobel Prize-winning scientists former UN scientists. There are hundreds of factors that influence our climate. We do not control the climate with our SUVs or our coal plants. That is, and, and believing that the EPA or UN can control the climate or storms is believing in medieval witchcraft. You know, we had, they used to blame witches for bad weather and for crop failure. Now they blame our cars. That's how, how insane this has become. Do you notice how many times he is referenced, like, back 100 years yeah. ago? He's stuck in the past. He, he denies right. modern science. He doesn't know That's about the Jews having that weather machine. That's right, all of that. Yeah. That's what we're hearing, Mark. Well, here's the thing. When you open up the show by saying that decade, what they do, and this is their insidious tactic, They'll say it's worse than we thought, global warming. It's like, how could it be worse? Sea level's not accelerating, according to tide gauges. Polar bears are at or near record numbers. Global temperature, the hottest year scam is that the temperature is in a, in a, in a, a pause or a uh, hiatus. What they'll say is, oh, it's the hottest year on record. Yeah, it's within hundreds of a degree of the last time you declared a hottest year, two years ago or five years ago. And you realize these are well within the margin of error, these claims. And then you go through all the other data, hurricanes, floods, tornadoes, droughts, either on no trend or declining trend. But they say it's worse than we thought. How do they make that claim? By be, simply because they make predictions of the future much worse than they were 
two or five years ago, and they get short time scales. Well, the last three years, this has increased X amount. Therefore, in 100 years, we expect XYZ. When current reality fails to alarm, make scarier and scarier predictions of the future. The other thing they do is make opposite predictions. You want, to, you want to be the hero after the Super Bowl? Predict both teams will win. They've done that in the global warming science community. They predict more snow, less snow. More hurricanes, less hurricanes. More malaria, less malaria. More fog, less fog. And in the book, I have a whole chapter detailing the opposite predictions. So they're literally covered no matter what happens. They say, we predicted it. You know, they're a friend of mine many, many years ago I worked with in radio. And this is pre-internet had this, uh, this money-making scheme, and it worked wonderfully for him. And what he did, <laughs> remember, remember the 900 numbers? Call 900, yes, yes, you get jokes yes. or whatever. He had one that was uh, sports picks. Okay. And literally, he would pick both teams. <laughs> <laughs> he would do this. He would offer one group of people, whatever teams, whatever, wanted, and yeah. another one, uh, another team. Yeah. Half the people would get one team would win, half would get the other. Well, the half that lost, they're like, this is a scam, they'd never call back. The half that won, were like, holy crap, this Let's guy's got back. something. And He's they would genius. do it again. And they would proselytize and evangelize and bring other people in. And then he would offer the same thing to them. Half would be wrong, <laughs> half would be right. And those half would just keep, it, it just kept going. Awesome. He was always going to be right and always had the money. And he charged now, imagine, it's exactly what they do. Imagine that with a PhD. Obama's energy secretary was uh, Stephen Chu at one point. He actually said, for the first time in history, we know what the world will be like 100 years from now due to global warming. Huh. I mean, that's reaching the level of your television psychic or your boardwalk palm reader when they get to that level. They actually think that they can now predict the future 100 years ago when we previously couldn't. And then they want to base policy decisions on it. And oddly, here's a key thing. Oddly, the previous environmental scares of the 1960s and 70s, overpopulation, global cooling, resource scarcity, coming famine, we're all going to die, deforestation, all those previous scares had the same exact proposed solutions, global governance, central planning, and wealth redistribution. So it's kind of odd. Global warming is but merely the latest environmental scare that they plugged into that model. And the UN is on record for two things. The head of the climate panel said, global warming is my religion. And other top UN officials have actually said, we don't even expect climate policy to have anything to do with climate or environment. This is how we will redistribute wealth by climate policy. And that's an exact quote. So you realize this is way beyond any science agenda. And it, and it has to be because they can't be any more anti-science in the way they go about it. Just like your friend predicting both sports teams to win. They've literally done that with the climate. And, and I have a whole chapter devoted to that on how they predict both options. It's funny you mentioned the religion, too, because probably 10, 12, 15 years ago, I started calling it a religion. Long before you had a lot of people, and that's really what it is. They expect you to believe something um, like faith that w- with no proof, right? And they offer conflicting information, and it's just no, just believe it because we said. Even when it's yeah, wrong, well, it doesn't matter. What they've done is they've removed, I, I hate to say the word idiot, but any idiot can argue on the side of man made dangerous global warming for a simple reason. It's like these old dentist ads for the 70s and 80s. Four out of five dentists recommend this. Or recommend benzene gum. What they've done is they've said 97% of scientists agree. So now the lowly third grader or a, um, uh, any environmental activist on the street or politician, they don't have to read science, peer-reviewed papers. You don't have to understand carbon dioxide. By the way, humans inhale oxygen. We exhale carbon dioxide. And for the first time, the U.S. government under... 
President Obama declared carbon dioxide a toxic pollutant that you could regulate under the Clean Air Act, what humans exhale. Right. But uh, but essentially what they've done is they've they, by having this 97 percent consensus, which, by the way, in the book I show top U.N. scientists actually came out and studied it and said it was literally pulled from thin air. One of the studies is only 77 anonymous scientists. So 97 percent of scientists wasn't even 97 scientists and the 77 <laughs> scientists it was based on. They were anonymous. We don't know their names or affiliations, but trust them, it's 97%. So what they've done is by saying 97%, they've intimidated and bullied everyone into silence because who are you to go up against 97% of scientists? And the people making the claim, whether it's Senator Whitehouse from Rhode Island, etc., don't have to know a darn thing about science. All they have to do is just repeat that line and bully you and intimidate you that somehow you're a scientific rube because you're against all the scientists. Uh, I fill in regularly for um, our boss, Glenn Beck, on his radio show. And years before I worked for him, I had filled in for him. And one day I noticed that one of my shows, the show that I did on his because it was on a bigger platform, got picked up and I got a page on Media Matters. Ooh, and then I noticed oh, they followed other ones. And it was it was such a wonderful like moment. And Mark, <laughs> it has to be the same for you when the Daily Cause called you uh, – Evil personified. <laughs> yes, they, they, they have gone after me. And I actually, in the, uh, I have a bonus chapter that has all the, the threats, intimidation, bullies, the hate mail I've received. And actually, speaking of uh, media matters, I was one of their, a few years back, their 2000, I think it was 2012, climate misinformer of the year. And it was touted by no less than Al Gore, the former <laughs> vice president. So, so, yes, I've been honored I'm by so that, jealous group, of that you. Soros-funded group. Yes. I'm so jealous of you. And you also have wanted posters. Yeah, I see the wanted poster <laughs> from Paris, the uh, 2015 UN Climate Summit. Explain what happened there. Yeah, actually, that's when I, before the book, The Politically Incorrect Guide to Climate Change, I did a movie called Climate Hustle two years ago. And they, we had the premiere in Paris during this big, vaunted, you know, UN climate summit. The morning of the premiere, I woke up all over Paris. They had plastered photos of me, a local environmental group, saying, wanted Mark Morano for being a, quote, criminal de climate. And it means climate <laughs> criminal. de climate? Yeah, criminal de climate. <laughs> and previously, the New York Times had not covered my movie premiere. We had it in an old art house theater there. And then the New York Times picked it up because they were all excited that I was wanted for a climate criminal. And then the police had to come to the movie premiere because the protesters came and descended on it. They shut us down for about 20 minutes so the police could clear out all the protesters. So this is and that was a very serious thing in the sense that those posters, the, the same group went after an Australian energy CEO, and he actually ended up going home to Australia because he was afraid for his personal safety. They, they play rough with this stuff. And I actually, you mentioned earlier about religion. There are scientists from Georgia Institute of Technology, Dr. Judith Curry. She actually, when she became a skeptic after reviewing the evidence, she switched sides and became on, you know, a climate skeptic, fully climate skeptic. She was declared a, quote, heretic in scientific American ah. publication. These are the words of religion, not science. So even the scientists who, who dissent are called heretics. And, and that's how religion has, you know, has taken over this and how they treat this as a religion. Oh, wow. That's crazy. All right. So you had an opportunity to meet Al Gore one time. Was that on a plane? You know, interestingly, that was actually, I met Al Gore uh, several times, but one of them was on an airplane coming home from a UN climate summit in Bali, Indonesia. I remember it well because I was working for the United States Senate Environment and Public Works. 
And my ticket was about $16,000 round trip, business class, paid for by the U.S. taxpayer. Al Gore was in the same section as I was. And I, and I went up, and, and this is when I was working for Senator Inhofe from Oklahoma, and I went up and wanted to have a picture. He was lining himself up, taking pictures with all the U.N. climate activists who were all excited, Al Gore. And, he, and I told him who I was. He recognized me. He had just been at our hearing earlier that year uh, when, where Inhofe challenged him to live within the same average electricity use as other Americans. <laughs> That's course, right. That was horror of horrors to Al Gore, who was at that time leading about 10 times the average American. And then... And then 20, 10 years later, a sequel comes out. He's 20 times. So he learned his lesson. He doubled his electrical <laughs> output. But Al Gore refused to have his picture taken with me, said we attack him all the time, ended the, ended the whole photo shoot for everyone else. I felt like the spoiler. And he left. And then years later, I ran into him again and presented him a copy of my film, Climate Hustle. And I believe that picture's in the book as well, where you can see the horror of his aide next to him as she looks at the cover of the movie poster. And Al Gore refused to take it and continued walking. And then, by the way, walked into a waiting SUV as he lectured us <laughs> about biking to work and taking city transit and, and bathing together to save our carbon footprints. Was that, was that wind-powered uh, SUV? Is that what that was? <laughs> right. Did have a windmill on top? So let me, let me ask you this, the, the, the psyche behind this, okay, because I've studied this for years and tried to understand it. I know there is one portion of people that buy into this stuff that buy into it because of the emotional factor, right? Oh, and, and they're misinformed. They believe these 97% yeah. of science is there's settled. true believers. Right, there's true, believers. true believers. And, yeah. and I actually feel kind of sorry for them. I mean, they want to believe, they've bought into it, whatever. But, Mark, there has to be a percentage of these people that, that are knowingly misleading, and Al has to be one of those people. Yes, in the way you could look at that, people like Leonardo DiCaprio, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you just got to look. When they, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I have this in the book, gave a message from the governor's mansion about air drying your clothes in order to lower your carbon footprint. He did this to all fellow Californians on Earth Day. This is a guy who made a hum- Humvees famous, who flew on his private jet daily to the uh, governor's mansion because he didn't want to live in the, you know, the governor's digs. That was a step down for him. So he, he flew, commuted by private jet. When you see that, when you see Leonardo DiCaprio selected as a U.N. spokesman and a climate activist fly around halfway around the world to receive an environmental award, actually announce, I will fly anywhere in the world to fight to, to, in order to raise awareness about global warming, missing the irony of flying around. When you see that kind of behavior, you realize these people aren't serious because if they were serious, people like Ed Bagley Jr., you could argue, are serious. He's the actor who you know, lives a life of privation in order to make his point that we need to do with less. But you cannot take them seriously, Al Gore, all these celebrities, because they, don't, they themselves aren't doing what they're preaching to others. And Al Gore and Leonardo DiCaprio came out in the 2000, I think it was 2008, Academy Awards when Al Gore won the Oscar or maybe it was the year after he won the Oscar. And they actually flashed on the screen, use public transit and all these other green tips. <laughs> and, and I love that time because Charles Krautheimer wrote at the time that uh, this, to, this was to a preaching to a crowd who considered mass transit riding in a stretch limousine. And when was the last time either one of these guys was on a city bus? But they're preaching that to everyone else. And that's, I go in depth about that in the book. It's one set of standards for the ruling class, and the rest they want to have sort of, it's sort of like they consider them the masses. And they have all these restrictions, regulations, high energy costs, all to allegedly fight global warming. And then once you look into it, UN treaties, EPA, climate regulations, 
they wouldn't even impact global CO2 levels, and, they wouldn't, and, and they, there's no way they could possibly impact storms or weather, even if you believe their science. Even the UN admits that, that over a 100-year time scale, this is purely symbolic. You won't even be able to recognize the difference in temperature if you accept their science, which is nonsense to begin with. So it's all symbolic, but they make you out to be an evil denier if you don't go along with their solutions and quotes. So for that ruling class, the Al Gores, is it just about the money? I mean, is it a hustle? Is it like my buddy with the sports teams? Or is it control, ultimate progressive control? Is it both? Well, it's both. I mean, when you have what's funny is these Hollywood celebrities who, and I detail this in the book, they'll, they'll live in multiple mansions, have homes all over, private jets. Uh, they work in the movie industry, which is one of the most environmentally destructive industries. They, you know, you know, they fly around, destroy beaches. In the case of Leonardo DiCaprio, they, they set up sets to take them down. And what they've done is then they'll show up at a movie premiere in an electric car, and everyone applauds, like, oh, look, they're driving an electric car. They're so environmentally conscious as they, you know, as they have these multiple mansions that no one lives in, and, mm-hmm. and they're heating it in. So you have that angle. But then you ultimately have, and I interviewed Vaclav Klaus, the former Czech president here, who grew up under communism and, and was one of the first, I think it was the first or second leader after the fall of the Berlin Wall. Uh, and the Eastern Bloc. And he says the greatest threat to individual freedom today is what he calls the central planner's ambitious environmentalism. And he directly compares what the United Nations agenda is and this green agenda is and the control over our life from every aspect of our life, from our appliances to our meat eating, to our agriculture, to our transportation, to our homes, to our national sovereignty and he says that is the greatest threat that we face and he goes in great detail the comparisons between the central panners of the old eastern Bloc and the modern equivalent of what we have today and everything from we need a co2 budget for every man woman and child from berlin to beijing oddly enough that's what the german the german climate advisor hans schulenhuber actually said berlin to beijing a choice of odd cities when you're talking about centralized transformation I interviewed the UN climate chief. She said that we need a centralized, the UN seeks a quote, centralized transformation that will make life on planet Earth very different for everyone uh, in order to fight global warming. That is the agenda. And they want to do wealth redistribution, global governance, centralized transformation. And it's the same solutions they were proposing 40 years ago that that nut Obama science czar John Holdren, who wanted to add, uh, 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 what do they call it? family planning fertility, uh, fertility drugs into their, our drinking water yeah. in order to make people not be able to reproduce. These were some of the monstrous uh-huh. ideas, which, by the way, Johnny Carson was tickled pink to have John Holdren on several times a year for over a decade. And John Holdren was always the same, predicting we'd run out of oil in 1980, uh, within a decade, all kinds of nonsense, if the famines and all that. Yeah, they're never... That. But they're they're never held accountable, and that's part of the key. That's never, one of the fact, things I I love in the book, by the way. It's uh it's a lot of fun and a lot of good information, Mark. We got to get you back on another time. But what we'll do is we'll tweet out a link to it. Okay. Thank you very much, Doc. Appreciate it. Yeah, global warming created Hitler. Global warming saved Hitler. That's in the book. No parent should be without this book. Your kids are being indoctrinated. So thank you very much. Thanks, buddy. We'll go ahead and post it. Mark Morano, the politically incorrect guide to climate change. I, Luke, send a message to all those that follow our Lord Jesus Christ. From Affirm Films comes Paul, Apostle of Christ. Now on DVD and Blu-ray. There are men, women, children that will never meet you. There must be a handwritten account of your acts. Their faith challenged an empire. Do you really know about Jesus Christ? I am concerned with these documents. Their words change the world. Love is the only way. Paul, Apostle of Christ, starring Jim Caviezel. Available now on DVD, Blu-ray, and digital. 
Knowledge is power. Tweet at us with the hashtag what I learned today. This is the Morning Blaze with Doc Thompson on the Blaze Radio Network.